Welcome to Farming the Depths of Eternal, a constructed podcast all about brewing. Each episode, we do a deep dive on a card and brew some decks around it and see how far we can take it. I am Patrick of Potamaru Online. And then after the stunning success of our last episode, where I think we more or less broke both formats in half, uh, talking about Rania and our decks, I thought we should run it back this week. So I brought back uh, John, uh, John Holio from the Eternal Journey podcast and Storm Bless from the from the Friends of Eternal podcast to discuss uh, a new card that uh, Storm Bless suggested might might break this new format in half. So uh, <laughs> Storm Bless, what what is this? We've had we have set twelve dropped, so we have all these powerful cards in front of us, and you picked this card out in particular as a card that you thought would be great to brew around. So what is that card? So the card, one of the cards, and I'm still interested, although, you know, I've been uh, doing more drafting than constructed at the moment, just because there's draft open, new formats, super fun. But uh, I did a little bit of brewing, although not much playing at the moment, uh, for this card called Sweet Dreams. And I'm most interested in continuing to brew around even past this in the future once I get more constructed. Uh, Sweet Dreams is five primal shadow for a fast spell. Play a unit with cost three or less from your void and give it plus two health. And then it invokes uh, Feln cards. And uh, I think it just, it looks neat. It looks like it plays well. And it looks like there's a number of uh, different angles you can attack with it. Yeah, yeah. It was really interesting that you you picked this card because I looked at it and... And I kept thinking, wouldn't you rather just play Haunting Screen? <laughs> and those are obviously well, different cards, but well, the thing I is, kept is that coming could... back to that question. Well, the thing is, is that you can play this with Haunting Screen, and it can act as sort of a secondary Haunting Screen. Obviously, if you've played Haunting Screen already, then you play Sweet Dreams and, you know, get a second go around with whatever Haunting Screen thing you had. Um, right? It's a lot like you know, it's a lot like a dark return for things that cost three or less, but at fast speed, and then also invokes. Um, and the fast right. speed is, I think, a pretty big deal because, you know, with, for example, say, like, if you had the three to infiltrate, you know, the classic Haunting Screen target that draws three cards. You know, if you dark return put into play, the opponent's going to play around it and block and stuff, right, even without Haunting Scream. Uh, but if not, if your opponents, you know, they just attack and leave nothing back, and you can play Sweet Dreams and get it back out of the void at fast speed and, you know, interact that way, right? So it, it's different than than Dark Return, that aspect. So before we get into it, I just want to give a little explanation for those of you who may have missed our first episode um, or, you know, our regular listeners to the podcast or new listeners. Uh, so, yeah, this is a little different than our usual uh, draft-focused uh, podcast that we do. This is, like I said... We're a brewing podcast here, and so each episode we pick a card to brew around and create some decks and then discuss them on the show. And Stormblast kind of gave a, a little summary of what he, he thought brewing meant to him, which I thought really summed up the goal of this show really well last episode. So I'm going to butcher his exact quote, but he kind of, well, Stormblast, maybe you should just do it. What was your sort of definition of brewing or your sort of goal of brewing? Oh, my goal in brewing is that I want to take whatever deck idea I have, whatever core of the deck that's the thing that I want to be doing, something I want to be playing with, and then I will make the best version of that possible, right? It's not saying I want to make the best deck possible. It's saying I want to make the best version of whatever thing I'm interested in possible. And the difference there is that 
it means that if your goal is to play with a less powerful card, the goal is to make the best version of that less powerful card or the best version of whatever situational card. The, the, I think the, one of the classic examples, there's a couple of good examples, but I think one of the best examples is Decro's Ruin, a card that people just put into a deck and is relatively a bad card, but you can make the best version of the Decro's Ruin deck, and in that deck, it is a card that fits and synergizes with, with, with whatever deck is trying to go on, like Pinnacle of the Reach and stuff like that. So you want to take whatever card it is or whatever core concept of idea, maybe two cards or whatever, and you want to build the best version of that deck. Right. And I think that is, I think that really sums up what, what I'm hoping to do with, uh, with this show is where, you know, we pick a card each week and then we're trying to brew the best version that we can of that card and see and ex- sort of explore it and see what directions we can take it. Um, and I, I think we did that once again, uh, this week. So let's, uh, let's get into this card. Um, so you kind of started to mention uh, what sort of excited you about this card. And I was just kind of wondering, what are we hoping to do with this card? Like what cards, what kind of cards are we hoping to get back? So I guess cards we're kind of hoping to get back. You know, there's, there's been a lot of things floated about, you know, uh, uh, you know, some of them are cards that I mean, things like deadly, like the uncountable, right. You bring it back. It's now one five with deadly. And that's, you know, pretty good uh, bit of toughness. And deadly at fast speed means that you can usually kill something and hopefully it can survive with the five health. Merchants are really good uh, because you get the invoke and then you get to trade. There's a number of different categories of cards that sort of synergize with this in different ways. So would you like to go over uh, which category you came up with, uh, Potomaru? Yeah, the the categories I, I was thinking about is, one, there are cards that like you to draw extra cards or have extra cards. Because, you know, I was trying to think about like you know how are how are we really taking advantage of this because sweet dreams you can only play a unit with cost three or less so you're paying a two cost premium for the advantage of being able to play it at fast speed um to get for that unit to gain two life and and to draw a card with the invoke um trigger and so i was like really trying to to figure out like it felt like you really needed to, you wanted to get back a card that's taking advantage of one of these aspects of the card in order to justify that premium that you're paying to do it. And so one aspect of the card, like I said, is that you draw an extra card. And so I was kind of thinking of some examples for that. So there's the merchants and we had a clarification from uh, Andrew Beckstrom himself that uh, this card does work the way you want it with that. So if you, uh, Sweet Dreams, a merchant, you invoke first, and so you can then mark it away, whatever you invoke for. Um, so it kind of gives you the fodder for merchants, which is pretty nice. Then there's also like cards like Tota Pioneer. This would uh, bring back Tota Pioneer and then draw you your second card, I think. And then there's the card you mentioned, the Uncountable, which is a new card. It's a two film, one three deadly, and you can pay for it to exhaust it, discard a card, sacrifice a card, and then you get to play a five five uh, impending doom. Uh, so, right, that this kind of gives you, you could bring this back at fast speed as a one five blocker, and then with deadly, and then on your next turn, uh, you know, pay the four, discard the card you invoked 
sacrifice another card and then get a 5-5 impending doom. So that seemed like an interesting uh, sort of synergy. Uh, another category of cards I was thinking about is like taking advantage of the plus two life or health gain. And so cards with low toughness. Um, uh, two two cards I thought of off top of my head were uh, the new card Severin Inevitable, which is the uh, three shadow shadow zero one uh, with revenge. And then uh, when you play a non-nightmare unit, you may pay two uh, debt to give it plus two or plus one attack and to give that unit revenge. And so Severin is a three cost zero one. So uh, pretty, pretty fragile, dies to a snowball. But if you bring it back with uh, Sweet Dreams, it's now a zero three, still kind of fragile, but at least it doesn't die to a snowball. Or another card I was thinking of is uh, a sort of older card, uh, Cabal Countess, which is the three shadow shadow four one with ambush, ultimate pay four to give Cabal Countess uh, plus two attack and quick draw. And so, you know, if you ambush this on turn three, turn four, you turn this into a six one with quick draw, you attack, it dies, then you can sweet dreams it. And now it's a six attack, three health, quick draw unit that, I don't know, you could play at fast speed again. I don't know. So it's just kind of another category of cards. And then cards that take advantage of its fast speed. And I was thinking uh, overstated units, uh, one inch. <laughs> There aren't a ton of these, but one that I thought of is a flipped Varit, because uh, all of uh, Varit's other three forms are still two cost. So maybe bringing that by, back at fast speed, like I said, the uncountable, um, you know, that has deadly, so you're making use of it, it as a blocker. Um, yeah, so how about you, uh, Stormblast? Did you have any other sort of categories of cards that this might work yeah. well with? Uh, so I also wanted to mention that uh, it works well with uh, things that benefit from recursion sense, like Jufi, for example, really can benefit from uh, this from Sweet Dreams because not only does it make Jufi a plus one plus plus one plus three, excuse me, because you draw an extra card, which gives, makes Jufi plus one plus one, and then because the effect of itself gives it another plus zero plus two, but Jufi as a card that you know is going to keep growing over time means that if Jufi's a three five when you bring it back, you know then it's suddenly a four eight. And then you can bring it back again, and it, it keeps growing. So cards that can grow, cards that are sort of good early and better late, like a Kontha ascending, uh, where you know you got just like four, uh, four shadow, a two three a Kontha at four shadow is far more likely to be able to attack into the, an opponent's board state than a two one a Kontha, uh, even still making you know a uh, four five flyer or something like that is still a lot better than a four three flyer, which because now it dodges torch. So cards that sort of uh, get Big, late, good, early, etc. can be good. Uh, Verit in general is decent because it keeps the mastery. Yes, you lose the plus O, plus two, but you know, obviously, if you can flip Verit and make it a six, seven, you might not care so much about losing that plus O, plus two. You know, you block some, you block some, you know, uh, thing with four power or less within this two, five Verit, pop up to six mastery, and then suddenly you have a six, seven attacking next turn. Uh, you know, cards, uh, another kind of card that I think is cards that care about five costs. So this would have to pr bring you into three factions. Obviously, my favorite signature card is Volatility. Uh, we'll get to that. Not not a very good deck, but we'll get there. Uh, so Volatility works with it. Uh, another thing I thought was interesting is cards that reduce themselves in cost. Shoal Dredger is a card that could work for it because it also works in self-mill. Sweet Dreams itself benefits from having a stacked void. So if you're milling yourself, you bring back Shoal Dredger. 
fast speed as a seven eight at fast speed for five costs that also draws you a card seems pretty powerful uh you know if you already have a dirty if you're already winning the game you can bring back Bur- blurred stigma lock <laughs> uh, you know so if you're already winning the game you can just win the game more which is kind of cute uh probably worse than shoulder under in like every pa- capacity but still uh shadowlands wanderers is their interesting one because it's a three five uh flying when it's summoned it has ambush and it reduces in cost for each shadow influence you have. So once you have three shadow influence, it now costs three. So that's another interesting card there. Uh, another interesting category is, and there'll probably more of these as time goes on as well, cards with contract or summons that require you to pay for them. For example, Jek is a three drop, a three drop, but you can pay one to you know deal two to things or four to things. And it obviously also benefits from recursion in a sense of if you give it double damage once, the second time around you can discard a Yotun Hurler instead of having to discard a Sigil. And cards with contract, like Ashara, the new Ashara, uh, you know, has contract two, or, I don't know, Sill or something, cards with interesting contracts. You know, you could you could fast speed, get back a Sill, and then fast speed, uh, give something quick draw on Aegis. You know, things like that could be interesting. Um, cards that I think are, cards, one of the decks that I basically just thought was fun to just put in there was uh, cards that trigger at the start of turn are very interesting, because those cards have the downside of, you can't play them at, you know, the end of turn, right? You have to play them on your turn, and then they're risked to be killed. But if you get them back out of the void at fast speed, then you get the benefit of their start of turn trigger. So, like, last last show, our uh, card we talked about was Rhaenia. Rhaenia has the really powerful start of turn ability, or the ability of when it uh, triggers on the opponent's turn. So if you Sweet Dreams Rhaenia, you're always getting a card, and you can choose, to, if you just want the sabotage, you know, you can choose, have a much easier time of blocking the sabotage uh, you know, block an opponent, get a sabotage, then, you know, you get you get more control over Rania's trigger than you would with a normal card. So those are sort of my sort of cards that I'm thinking of. Uh, John, what are the cards that you think of when you think that could work with Sweet Dreams? Or to be cover guess, all the bases? Yeah, you you covered uh, a, a lot of the ones that I that I was thinking of. Um, particular Merchant, uh, the Aegis one, I like, I like with that um, ability yeah. a lot. And then also... Um, Geral uh, is is pretty good to get back. You know, it's like an expensive spell, so it can, you know, trigger his eight mastery ability <laughs> to, to a high degree. And then uh, you, you might get another spell you can use. Um, and just getting him back, like he's already got a pretty big uh, butt already, and you can make it even bigger. So maybe opens up some some berserk attacks like out of nowhere, things like that. Um, yeah. So I said the biggest downside is that a lot of the cards that I was looking at are uh, multi faction or off faction, right? Like. Sweet Dreams would obviously fit very well into Elysian if it could support having one Shadow Influence. Because, <laughs> you know, you can bring back Master Conjurer and Wump and Jarl, you know, all these really powerful cards. But uh, unfortunately, it's a Shadow card, so it's hard to work with in that sense. Yeah, like, Jack was the big one I wanted to, to mess with, but I, I ended up uh, revisiting an old, an old favorite for, for my deck this week, so... And then uh, another thing I like to do when I'm thinking about cards is kind of looking at cards with similar effects and figuring out where this card improves on those or, you know, looking for cards that are, you know, quote unquote, like best in class. And so I guess five cards came to mind when when I was thinking of uh, Sweet Dreams and kind of just wanted to go through these in different ways and and figure out how. Uh, sweet, what Sweet Dreams is doing differently or better? Um, it's kind of interesting that like all of these cards kind of have like one aspect of it, 
but are sort of missing the the total package, you know? So like there's Remembrance, which is the one shadow uh, spell that says play a unit from your void with cost three or less and shift it. So if you're just looking for a cheap way to bring back a three or less cost unit, you know, Remembrance is slow speed, but does it, unfortunately shifts it. There's a classic Grasping at Shadows, which is the same cost, five cost, shadow, shadow, and you can play anything from your void. Again, slow speed. Uh, pull into Nightmares uh, is another one. And in this one, you play a unit of cost five or less from your void, and it gets plus one, plus one. And then if you have the ridiculous requirement of five time, uh, it also becomes fast. Uh, there's Cruel, uh, you know, everyone's favorite that's been nerfed a couple times to now play the unit exhausted. Uh, but... You know, that Cruel's even, like, plausible to play it at fast speed. There's probably some ways to do that. Yeah. Um, um, in my I, testing, I actually did that once. I invoked a Cruel. Uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> you know, when you drew it from the invoke, it, like, played a unit from the Void as well. But it, it's exhausted now, sadly. So so there, there is that. Um, and then there's, like, we talked about Haunting Scream. So... So I so again like there are these like different options. So I, you know when you're sort of brewing around a card like Sweet Dreams, I think you're you're trying to figure out that that lane where Sweet Dreams is indeed the best card to to be in there. Uh, I mean I think I think I think all the comparisons you made are pretty accurate except for really Grasping at Shadows, which is kind of doing its own completely different thing than Sweet Dreams, since you're Grasping Shadows back for big expensive Vars, and the rest of them you really are doing similar things to Sweet Dreams. But Grasping at Shadows, I think, is kind of a... I mean, I guess it's a useful comparison in the sense of being like, yeah, this card does something completely different than Grasping at Shadows, even though it might look outwardly the same, you know, but it does do something completely different, unlike the other four, which kind of do do similar things to Sweet Dreams. I think that's just that Grasping at Shadows allows you to do that. Obviously, if Sweet Dreams allowed you to get any unit, you'd be getting big <laughs> big stuff back. Um that, I feel like it's it's just like a hurdle that Sweet Dreams has to clear. The main reason you'd play uh, Sweet Dreams over Grasping at Shadow is that there were small things you want to get back at fast speed, I think, is is sort of the comparison I had in my mind. So uh, I just wanted to call out uh, one fun deck before we get into our decks. Uh, I did find there were two uh, there were two decks already on Warcry that used Sweet Dreams. Uh, Roshi had an expedition deck that was a mill deck. Kind of interestingly, and it, it brought a, up a question I wanted to ask you two, is Roshi only had like 8 to 12, 3 or less uh, drops, like units in his deck. And so it seemed like that was maybe just because it's a mill deck, it's okay. But that seemed like not a ton of hits and i was i was wondering if you if for cards like this do you like set a bar for yourself like you know like we talked about last uh time with grenahan you know you kind of want 32 to 40 hits with grenahan is it do you did you have something like that in mind when you were building your decks with uh sweet dreams so i think you definitely want a significant number of units you want it probably at least like 24 units i'm imagining you want at least you know uh a good portion is at least like 16 or 20 you know i think i think that there's just too few cards for sweet dreams here i think that and we'll get to mine uh mine's really meh but there's a way to fix it um but i do think that there is sort of a mill opportunity with sweet dreams but i think it's definitely more of a throne thing than an expedition thing and i think that's where roshi's deck really falls apart is that he's trying to force it in expedition when it's 
probably more of a thrown uh, shenanigans. Yeah, and then the the other sort of interesting deck is um, uh, Changeling Rain had a a Savagery Sindar deck in Expedition. So so Savagery is uh, back in uh, is now in Expedition with uh, Sindar. So all of my my underpowered throne deck from uh, with uh, Rania is a uh, now playable in expedition so that is uh it's kind of an interesting throwback and and they had uh three or four uh sweet dreams in their deck didn't have rania and had uh the nerfed what's it called hidden crusader so I, that is one immediate change i'd make to the deck but again interesting that people are trying out sweet dreams so i guess we'll go on to our decks uh so one thing before we move on from changelings deck is i wanted to mention wing brewer as a really cool uh sweet dreams thing because Wing Brewer in the Void, it's going to return, I believe anyways, last time I played it, I think it did. Uh, it's been a very long time since I played Wing Brewer. But it should keep track of how many times you've used its ability. So if you use its ability once, use its ability twice, then the opponent's like, I'll get it now, be, you know, now that it's uh, you know, right before it gets the third pop. So you, you, you get your second time and they like torch it. And then now you're like, oh, I didn't get the bruise. I didn't get the vampire bats. Well, Sweet Dreams, end of their turn for Wing Brewer. Start your turn, immediately pay two, exhaust Wing Brewer, draw a card, and you immediately make the bat. So it's it's cool that Wing Brewer retains this information, and you can take advantage of that with Sweet Dreams uh, in that cool capacity. Yeah, do you know how that would work if you actually got Wing Brewer into your void by using it like the third use? Then if That's you brought it back and then used it like a fourth time, does it immediately kill itself? Probably, right? I, I, think, I think it... I think once you use the third use, it goes back to zero and resets, but I'm not 100% positive, but I think it resets. Okay. Yeah, I'm 99% sure. Yeah, that it resets. Yeah, I'd believe that. Yeah, I, I like Changelings. Like, there's definitely a few changes I would make, uh, but it's kind of, it's very similar to a lot of the concepts we talked about last week when uh, I, I also John do, and I, I both like had Sindar decks. Like, the addition of Iadria is, is interesting. It's, like, another way to, like, help Sindar you know, always kind of get mm. through. It's kind of interesting. Um, Secretly, yeah. last week's last week's brew was actually Sindar, not Rania. Right. And like, <laughs> no, no, it's you saved like, us. You saved us from that. From that. <laughs> like, I think, I I think, I think next week. Next week. Oh, next week. Our next. Our next brew topic is Sindar. Wow! How surprising. <laughs> like it, it's really unfortunate <laughs> sure. that Jufi. If you play Jufi from the Void, you can't intrigue it again, which like that's kind of a little unfortunate. Eh. But at least it keeps its stats. Wait, would uh, you be able to un if if you had seven power, would it intrigue? No, intrigue is a, it, like specifically that's only from works hand? from your hand. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Patrick, what is your what is your deck this week? Okay, so I my whole goal, I I, I told this to Stormblast was to try try to make a deck that wouldn't be <laughs> made better by removing sweet dreams. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not sure if I actually accomplished that, but I, I did give it my best. I talked about in my sort of categories a, a lot of the cards that intrigued me. Um, one of them was Acantha. Uh, another was the Uncountables. And then uh, I kind of was really intrigued by Severin the Inevitable. So I was like trying to figure out how to put all of these cards together and I, I tried a, a bunch of different things and I ended up really liking 
bringing back a camp thug because like you said like a four or five flyer is pretty sweet it dodges a lot of removal but i also liked the revenge things happening and and you know the one unfortunate thing i guess sort of with sweet dreams is like since you're not drawing it you don't like get to draw it play it and draw an extra card when you do sweet dreams but i kind of did like what severin was doing uh so i kind of Put all of these cards together and then tried to make a witching hour deck uh using sort of sweet dreams as a glue of like hey there's a lot of cards in this deck i want to bring back so I'll, I'll go over the list that wasn't a great explanation but i think reading the list you'll kind of see what's going on so i have three permafrost four sinister rumors four zito cabal house cat which is the one one with for one with revenge and uh contract two to have your opponent discard a card. Three Acanthas Ascending, three Fortune Tellers, four Grenahan, three The Uncountable, three Zoltan Ambassador, which is the two cost one one that you can draw a card when you play a hero, four Blight Pass Smuggler, uh, two Desecrate, four Mobilization, two Severin, two Rat King, which is the four cost three two that plays two one one rats and has a couple other abilities. Uh, three Petra Auric Launderer, which is the five shadow shadow zero five with revenge and inscribe. And then summon, put all spells from a void of your choice into your deck. Petra gets plus one attack for each. Uh, and then three sweet dreams and three witching hours. And then uh, the market is a Feeding Time, a Night Dojo, Honor of Claws, Champion of Cunning, and Jotun Hurler. So like I was saying, like this deck was me kind of taking cards that I thought would work really well with Sweet Dreams and then trying to figure out like a theme to build around. And the theme I decided on was, you know, playing a bunch of revenge units with mobilization and and a couple rat kings and zito uh you know coming back and stuff and then trying to use that to play witching hour and hopefully win the game somehow so what do you guys think of this deck uh, i like the idea of witching Hour with sweet sweet dreams because sweet dreams basically can guarantee you triggering it uh reducing witching hour by three costs similar to say uh not assembly line but you know similar to assembly line similar to rat king in that aspect, because Sweet Dreams is a card itself for Witching Hour, and then brings back a card for Witching Hour again, and then with the Invoke, you get a third card, so you get to sort of reduce Witching Hour by uh, three costs, which is interesting. Uh, and if you bring back a unit like uh, the Uncountable or Grenahen, you can, you know, keep stacking up, or Akantha even, because Akantha gets back. Uh, when you attack, right, it makes a unit, which can then reduce Witching Hour again. So you can sort of get back these units that may reduce Witching Hour even further. So I think that synergy there is actually quite interesting to me. Yeah, and you know the the things I really debated about. I kept going back and forth between having uh, this Zoltan ambassador package or like uh, a Mother of Skies package because like Mother of Skies also works really well with Witching Hour because every time you play a dual faction unit, which there are a lot of in Felm that are pretty good, you know you get to play a, a Cloud Snake. And then that also reduces the witching hour. But Zoltan Ambassador being a new card and there being a lot of heroes in the deck uh, kind of made it seem interesting. Okay. And then the dream of having a Zoltan Ambassador and then playing a witching hour and playing four heroes was uh, is seems like a pretty pretty sweet synergy that kind of wanted to try to live the dream of. 
Anyway, so John, do you have any thoughts about maybe other cards to add or directions to maybe take this deck? Uh, so yeah, that's <laughs> that's a really spicy ambassador. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I love it. I love yeah, it. That's interesting. Like, I, I was looking at an old version, I think, and so I, I see you've added a couple more heroes. Um, so yeah, okay, uh, that's interesting. Like, I wonder if you might, you know, just need some more removal, like with these meanies and throne. Uh, trying to kill you and stuff and then uh, i really do want you know two more shadow symbols i think in the power base um yeah the the, the one thing that i want to say about power base because i think that's a good branching off point is i think fortune teller is the weakest link in this deck i get what you're trying to do with fortune teller with the revenge and stuff but you're not really controlling the revenge except for mobilization so i think i would cut fortune teller and uh which then means that your power base no longer has to try getting to triple primal and so that way you can cut, say, Felon Vow and the Primal Sigil and just go up on Shadow Sigils. And then you can also play, uh, potentially, you can play, if you want to cut down something or whatever, you can play the new power, uh, the one that works with heroes, uh, if you want to try that. Although I'm not sure if that's even needed because Felon looks like it has really good influence anyways. But you're playing a bunch of heroes, so you know you can play that maybe like one of the new power. Uh, also notably, you cut fortunately you can max on a contest ending, which I think probably should happen as well. I agree. You know, like fortune teller is just like a card that I've always wanted to make work, but then you like look at the revenge spells and you're like, oh, these are pretty medium. <laughs> and the synergies with fortune teller in the deck are are Zito, the mobilization, and then uh, Severin to to some extent. Uh, but I agree that it is probably probably a weak link. And uh, you know, John's point about the the removal is sort of always interesting to me because I never know exactly how much removal to put in a deck, which is why, you know, I have three permafrost as your like cheap cover everything more or less, except Roland, which uh, always gets me. There's a uh, four sinister rumors, which is like a great card in this deck because it can be early removal or bring back a, a bunch of your units, uh, which you want to do. And then I have two Desecrate, which is not a great removal spell, but I was like, since I had Grenahan, I'm always like trying to have removal that also triggers Grenahan. Grenahan also works really great. That's why I have Petra in here. Uh, not only, I guess she also has Revenge, but the main reason is that she has Inscribe, but she's a unit. So she's like a, a way for Grenahan to draw power, which is a... a pretty sweet new interaction you may not need it like anymore because you are kind of have playing a lot of like cheap units that kind of go wide so like you know maybe maybe it's like enough to enact your game plan here uh, without going any harder into it i'm not sure without really playing the deck i mean i do think this deck suffers from what a lot of my decks suffer from which is like i like kind of like fiddly decks that are like doing a lot of things but then what happens is like while I'm doing all of these things, my opponent just like plays a really good card and then I I die. <laughs> I think I and, think uh, the deck actually looks surprisingly decent, especially as a good starting point for a, a brew like this. And I think it could definitely move. I mean, maybe kind of the sweet dreams. Maybe you don't. I hope you don't. Uh, but I think like you know one of the things is I think in the market you should definitely have some sort of uh, board clear, whether that's hailstorm or. Uh, Air Moss designs or the new cards, Loon Massacre. I think that the market needs to have some sort of 
way to catch up, some sort of catch up mechanism. All right, cool. Thank you. So uh, I guess next, John, what it, what's your uh, deck looking like? Sure. So uh, I I decided to do a Praxis Trove deck, um, and like I I do think, you know, it's probably strictly worse than the old versions. Um, like I've tried versions before going up to four and up to five, and I, I always ended up just putting it back down to stopping at three, um, as far as like trove hits. And I, I mean, honestly, this is probably just kind of a, a worse version. It's definitely not as optimized as some of those older versions. Um, but we did get some new cards that I, that I wanted to try out and I don't know, I'm forcing it. We're going five for sweet dreams, whatever. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it, if you've never played a Praxis Trove deck, it's like uh, Praxis Trove is like um, a relic. There's four of them in the deck, and it kind of ramps up. Like as you play a one cost unit, it plays a one cost spell, and then two cost and a two cost spell, and so on and so forth. So you're you play a, a unit of the right cost, and then it plays a spell from your deck for free. So it's like a tutor of sorts. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like it's kind of like a go wide deck. Usually you win the game uh, with like one or two alpha strikes uh, with uh, trying to carve it from the market uh, with like a sacrifice, you know, enabler of some sort. There's plenty in the deck. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you, there's not a lot of removal in the deck because <laughs> you, uh, you know, you, t you, you t usually take a lot of hits, you get your life low, and then you kind of stabilize like in one swing with, uh, with some crazy shrine hit. So that's, that's like the basic idea of the deck. And then like, there's not many ways to actually, um, Praxis trove out the sweet dreams, but there are some, and it's a you know it's it's castable just from your hand, and so that kind of can enable some things anyway. Um, being fast, and you can kind of start a trove chain going on the opponent's turn with it, based on what's in mm. your void. So it, I thought it was interesting. Um, so I can do the deck list here. It's four Grendon drones, uh, four Kindling Carver, four No Wind to Hold them. Three Defile, one Devour, four Cato Arena Herald, four Blight Pass Smuggler, uh, three Senway Smuggler, four Crafty Occultist, uh, four Display of Menace, two Elding of the Final Hour, four Praxis Trove, a single A Life for a Life, uh, a single Wrong Turn, another new Invoke card for four, and then three Jotun Hurlers. Two sweet dreams and two Kroll Zumic occultist at the top. Um, so yeah, like it's the, its game plan is basically the same as those older older trove decks, but with a little little extra spice in there. And uh, yeah, like my invoke hits have have been pretty good um, in in playtesting from both of these invoke cards. Um, I've had versions before where like a life for a life is like a castable removal, you know, like for four, uh, such as like cremate or. Uh, fell ritual or something like that and like that that's that's good too it's, you know could possibly be better than both of these cards but this, these are fun and still pretty effective um and then uh i kind of like I, I added like jotun hurler in here as like a way to play a five cost unit as well as like the snowballs are super handy and then you know it's just it's a great uh way to feed your crafties and market access and you know, once you once you do a, a crawl, once you pull a crawl, then you can start juggling it with the smugglers. Um, so there's a lot of lines with a deck like this, and it can be a little difficult to pilot, but it's been it's been pretty effective for me uh, the way it is here. 
Yeah, I like I like the power of the cards you can get back. Crafty Occultist, very powerful card to get back with Sweet Dreams because you can control what you get Crafty to do because you can invoke a spell or a unit and then control that you discard that to give Crafty Flying or to make it a give a play a one one granite for free. So just playing Crafty Occultist Sweet Dreams seems sweet. Seems like a sweet dream to have. Uh, <laughs> Seven Smugglers is obviously really powerful when your market is as well-tuned and as well-stocked as this market is. Double-dipping is powerful. Kato, obviously great to bring back if it makes an 8-8. Uh, you know, Elding allows you to control what Elding does, right? You can bring back Elding end of turn and then be more likely to, you know, hit with Elding or control the sacrifice trigger because if you just play Elding, you know, they kill it with a torch and you're like, oh, I don't get to pay for its sacrifice. But if you bring it back at fast speed, it's more likely you'll be able to control how the Elding functions. And Elding uh, plays like the Pale Riders are four costs, so it's like another yeah, way to, yeah, exactly. to play a four guy. Yeah. One of the things that I was always that I've wondered about having kind of messed a little bit with the Trove decks is, uh, you know, especially ones that want to go above three, is using a Zoomic Coercion as an option, as like your as your three cost spell, which allows you to to sacrifice a unit and then draw a card from your market which then allows you to draw like the four cost card you need to then trigger your your next hit. Is there any consideration for a card like that or is that just there there's too, some. is that just me trying to put draft cards into my constructed no, deck? No, I like I've definitely tried something like that before. I didn't try any with this particular build, but I've I've definitely tried something like that in Trove before. Um I think just 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 having display as as just always being a hit display of menace yeah. it is just so good it like there's a lot of relic decks in throne um it lets you dig for the exact things you need from your deck and sometimes that you know deal one damage can just wreck your whole opponent's board and things it's just like the perfect flexible three cost spell and like i like i, I like the way you always get it and that's kind of like the idea with the spells in the deck is like it's just super reliable um there's like a little difference in the two slot between defile and devour, but having the one devour means that if your opponent doesn't have an eligible uh, thing to kill, it's always going to hit devour. Um, so there's like a little concession there, but I think I think it can work. But I think with seven merchants, um, you're kind of getting in the market basically when you need every time. And honestly, this deck, um, like it's a you know the power can be a little rough because there's no way to fetch additional power right now. Um, so like display a lot of times one of my grabs is a power um just to just to kind of keep it going um because like the the play with you know once you get the trove going you, you basically always pull a contract out which plays a two drop but that's like a power that you pull out of your deck that you can never really play um so sometimes you miss power drops with this deck which is like its main weakness but like you know being able to draw with carver and devour and, and things like that on the way up can really help with that I'm not sure what this life for life is doing there. I'll be honest. I'm not sure what well, the game plan with that card is. It uh, a lot of times it plays either a merchant from your void or a crawl from the void. Um, and uh, oh, it's a, it's another sack uh, thing. If you play a four drop, you can you know get a sack trigger. Uh, it, it it definitely you can't cast it with the power. No. So it, that's, that's a downside, why I wasn't but... sure about it. But you know, if, if it's ever stuck in your hand, you just put it in the market. It's not a big deal. Um, but ah, uh, the the motto of all brews everywhere. Yeah. If this card's bad, just market it. Put <laughs> in the market. You're, you're, you're in the market all the time. It's fine. Or you can just pitch it with uh, you know crafty. It's fine. Um, yeah, just one of it's 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 not really a liability in my experience. 
Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely in your hand sometimes, which can be annoying. But eh. like I said, it could just be a, a four cost removal if you want, if you don't like that. <laughs> um, and like I tried, I tried a lot of other cards, um, cards that you've already mentioned, Patrick. Uh, some of the new cards, like um, you know, Rat King, I think might be quite good here, but I couldn't really find a slot for it exactly. Uh, I tried the Severn Inevitable. Uh, that was that was sweet too, but like I said, the, the deck is kind of power hungry, so paying that extra contract, um, it just kind of seemed a little bit a little bit win more in this deck. Um, like I tried, you know, I think I think the sheep, uh, the uncountable, could be quite good here. But I, like again, the deck's power hungry again. Yeah, again, it's again, the deck hungry, is yeah. power hungry. <laughs> yeah, and like I don't know, like the Kados tend to like. You know, they, they they always make an extra guy, and that's a little more useful than a possible impending doom for the most part. Um, I like so. I like how uh, I like sweet dreams as a way of triggering practice trove on your opponent's turn to sort of like get your opponent, uh, you know, surprise them with aha, you didn't expect yeah. trove on your turn, but I got you. So they, you know, and if they did, they got to play around a little bit more things. So I think that's kind of a cool synergy. Yeah, yeah. that's, where, that's, that's one, one of the best. cool things. This is kind of a, a, a subtle synergy that probably won't come up very often, but Defile is like a particularly sweet removal spell when you have Sweet Dreams because you are stealing one oh, of yeah. their three or less cost units. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, since I've... they're probably not building around Sweet Dreams, they're probably playing some really powerful uh, <laughs> one to three drops that you can uh, then uh, get back with Sweet Dreams, which is Sometimes Fun you can, thing. you know, steal their merchant and use it. Um, sometimes it's a jack. Um, and like, it's also kind of important because there's some runouts where you end up not getting to sack something early, and you don't have a unit in your void to trigger broken contract. So defile is another way to get a unit in your void for that. And then, okay, so Stormblast, you have two decks for us. Yeah, I have two decks. So the first deck is a little bit rough, but I will say that there's a way to immediately make it better that I will go over as soon as I'm explaining. I'm sure, you know, eagle-eared listeners will be able to identify the part that might be good to remove to make it better. So uh, <laughs> this is Militility. It's a mill deck playing Volatility. Uh, right, so it's it, so I'll just read the deck and then explain it. The deck is playing four Darkwater Vines, two Exploits, four Grenahens, four Two-Face, four Volatility, four Blight Pass Smuggler, four Mavelof Huntress, four Strange Broker, Four Savage Incursion, four Sweet Dreams, four Serpent Hive, four Fear, and four Zoe. Uh, and the market is, you know, kind of whatever in a lot of ways, uh, just trying out things. Solitude is probably the most important. Silver Blade Menace is the two big ones. Uh, so Saloon Massacre is a board clear. Sinister Rumors is cheap interaction. And then uh, Power in the Market, because I think that that's really important. So uh, new cards in the deck, aside from Sweet Dreams, we have Serpent Hive and Fear, which are two of the legendary power cycle that have inscribe and they have an ability when you inscribe them. So fear is really cool because when you inscribe it, both players build the top two cards of their deck. And that's really powerful with say sweet dreams and also trying to build your opponent out. So you're going to stock your void and also fill up their void, which seems pretty dang good. A uh, serpent hive is fetchable with volatility and it's probably the weak link in the deck that serpent hive is not that good in this deck. And it's probably the thing that keeps this deck down in many ways. Also being three faction, this deck. So what this deck could probably do is if you cut Volatility, you cut Zoe, you cut Serpent Hive, and then you put in 12 better cards and you <laughs> took out the Fire Influence and you just made a pure mill deck, the deck probably suddenly gets a lot better. 
That being said, though, uh, you know, you can get back Sat Strange Broker, Instant Speed, Maveloff Huntress, you know, even though you probably won't get that back at fast speed. Getting this back at even slow speed with plus two health means that you can, you know, kill something, hopefully. Um, I just like the idea of bringing back a mill thing. I thought that was cute. That was my first thought. I kind of like it. So this deck has 16 volatility hits, right? Yeah, that's the bare minimum. Yes. And I know you... I think the Serpent Hive with Volatility is pretty interesting because it's a way, like with Grenahan, it's Serpent Hive is a way for Volatility to draw power. I mean, I guess you have Wrath of Kyphus kind of does that too, but yeah, but this but is... Two, so the difference between two cost and zero cost is, is very big, so it's much better than Wrath of Kyphus. I think that's kind of interesting uh, Volatility tech going forward is this Serpent Hive. So that is a, an, another thing I, I, I like about this deck. Um, you know, I, I don't play a ton of mills. So I, I don't have a really good sense of what makes a good mill deck. Um, so I just have to trust you <laughs> trust you on the details. Spoiler here. alert, I also don't have a ton of experience playing mill, so I don't trust myself. John, what do you um, think? Have you played mill before? I, I mean, a little bit. I, like, I think... Um, I, this I wanna... was the big uh, Team Eternal Journey thing, right? I, I did not actually play that deck, but yeah, some of the guys were. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, like, it's it is definitely missing that uh, that mill relic, Tome of Horrors, right? Oh yeah, that that could probably find a spot here somewhere, maybe in the market, or just um, take out the volatility package. Yeah, and make the deck more consistent. I didn't want to say it, but <laughs> no, no, I know. As as I said before, that's the that's the first place to go if you want if you want to have fun. I think that volatility is a good way to have fun. But yeah. if you want to build the best mill deck. You know, maybe it's better to maybe a different sort of deck could play the Sweet Dreams volatility side of things, but I think I for the like, mill side of things, it probably like, is better to go away. Uh, Maveloff Huntress is another one that I was like really like that that one in Jack. I was particularly interested with uh, with our card yeah. of the week, the Sweet Dreams. Like, you know, Maveloff being able to imbue on the opponent's turn at fast speed seems like that could really do some work and then kill oh, yeah. the second thing. Uh, on your turn yeah and it's gonna have so much toughness with its extra toughness too yeah like the smuggler you. and the broker they're both particularly uh big big booty units so i, th- yeah, I think i, like I think that. i think i think mill featuring sweet dreams is better than militility featuring volatility but um <laughs> but i think i think i think it's a cool deck and uh you know could could have could there are probably better ways to build it but um but i thought it was just interesting so my second deck i'm a little bit more interested in uh, uh-huh. This one is, you know, there. Are, I haven't had a chance to tune this thing any further by any capacity, but I'm sort of taking advantage of the idea of when you play Sweet Dreams at your opponent's turn, you can get back units that trigger at the start of your turn. So, uh, Sony the Metamorph and Unraveling Fanatic, two cards that trigger at the start of your turn. So, you know, especially if they just leave Unraveling Fanatic around and they let it trigger once or twice, you bring it back with Sweet Dreams at the end of their turn where they have nothing, and then boom, you get the big. Uh, I don't even know what the, the the nightmare is, or you know, you get back to the big nightmare. Natic flips into nightmare, and then you attack for like fourteen and draw two cards, and you know, you can feel good about that. So that kind of seemed like a really cool synergy between Fnatic and Sweet Dreams. Uh, Renia again in here, Sodi, right? You bring back Sodi at uh, fa- at, fa- at fast speed, and it's a three-five that then triggers on your turn, draw you a card, which seems cool. Um, Jenna Merchant Jenny two-five, you know, Aegis, which is excellent stat line. Wump is cool because you can either more likely get Wump flipped or bring back the party pair and start going for a party. Uh, Dairy Cathane is interesting in a small way where 
if you activate Derry Cathane, it becomes a 4-4 uh, Overwhelm, I believe. And then if Derry Cathane dies, you bring it back with Sweet Dreams, and now it's a 4-6 Overwhelm that, become, that can become an 8-6 Overwhelm. So Derry Cathane has never once worked out in any one of my brews ever, and I've played it in so many. <laughs> maybe this is the time for Derry Cathane. Probably not, but maybe it is. Um, so, you know, the issue here is, of course, the influence. So I hopefully did something cool with influence. If not, whatever. The one thing I was trying out for influence is uh, is uh, greater plans because there's a bunch of heroes in this deck. Oh, I guess I forgot to read up the deck. Huh? No one stopped me. You're supposed to stop me. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. So the deck is uh, four Seek Power, four Dairy Cathane, four Equivocate for Interaction, four Trailmaker for Fixing, four Wump and Mizo to you know annoy people that hate Wump and Mizo. Uh, two Banish for a little more interaction. Four Genev Merchant. Four Kehana Skilled Caster for just an interesting card to bring back. And also an interesting piece of interaction, right? There's a little bit of uh, damage to face or silencing. So you can bring up fast speed to, like, get, you know, a Kira player. Be like, aha, I got you. You weren't expecting Kehana at fast speed. Uh, four Rhaenia. Four Sodi. Four Unraveling Fanatic. Four Yoan Hurler. And four Sweet Dreams with a market of Permafrost, World Decree, Trials and Tribulations, Honor of Claws, and Felon Banner. So what do you guys think of this sort of three-faction monstrosity? Yeah, if the influence actually works <laughs> out, like, I really like, you know, the the unit choices here for for bringing back with Sweet Dreams. Some very powerful things going on. Yeah, I mean, this, this uh, includes Unraveling Fanatic, which is another one of my favorites that I've, I've never been able to make work. Uh, so I love that. I love your, we're keeping Ronnie around. I, that's a great one. I think the Wump Mise is probably ambitious. Well, the thing is, is that I'm already playing Sodi the Metamorph. So if I'm playing Sodi, I might as well play Wump, right? <laughs> I mean, Sodi's more like a Wump that's harder anyway. to cast. So, like, Sodi's just a Wump that's harder to cast, right? So why not just play both? That being said, though, I guess, I guess if you were to take out Wump and Sodi... Uh, then the influence suddenly becomes very easy. You can take out Trailmaker as well, and then you can play Diplo Seal because at that point suddenly the influence is only one Primal One Shadow in one time. You have to find replacements for all of these like 16-ish cards or 12-ish cards that are worthwhile. But I think that could potentially be done, or like you know even just like um, Babelove Huntress, right? You know you you can you can get away with Diplo Seal with four influence. You can't really get away with it with any uh, more than four. You obviously you want to play it with only three influence because that's what Diplo Seal does. Um, but you can agree with it for. So I guess you could make the influence a lot better and you know probably make the power base a lot stronger by getting rid of some of the Wump and Sodis. Uh, so maybe that's the way to go. But obviously, you know, part of the fun is Sodi was a really cool idea with uh, Sweet Dreams because you automatically get to draw the extra card at the start of your turn. And I'm One sure John would love this because I play Sodi, John defiles, and then John brings back the Sodi for himself. Yes. <laughs> yeah, one thing I just had to go check was... Um... Unraveling fanatics like flip sides, sanity's anathema, or however you say that. Like anathema. I was curious what the cost was on that, and it's sadly not a three drop as well. It's a Aww. seven. So we can't once it's flipped, you can't actually bring it back, which makes me well, a little I mean, sad, but once it's flipped, I think you're okay. You know, you, you attack hope and draw so. two cards and hopefully hit them for like fourteen, right? So Yeah. I think like you mentioned, Mabel off delete. Hunters. Yeah. Probably can't play Grenahan. <laughs> no, not in this deck, as 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 is currently built. Although it is it is playing very many units. You know, it's not actually playing that many spells. It's playing four Sweet Dreams, two Banish, four Equipagates. Okay, it's playing a little bit too many. But uh, you, could, you could change the deck up a bit. 
one thing that I don't know how it works is Sweet Dreams with uh, Ursa, the the stealth Ursa. Uh, if you play Sweet Dreams with stealth Ursa, can you uh, negate someone's spell? Can you play Ursa and then does it immediately trigger? I don't know that aspect of it. Uh, it would be cool if it did, though. Um, but yeah, I think I think this one, maybe looking at it again, the only two cards that really have heavy influence are Sodi and Wump. So maybe if you just remove those, you can also then hit the Trailmakers, and then you can make the power base a lot better. So that would be a way to go with this deck. I'm not sure about Ursa either. Like, it, you know, the ultimate is when the enemy player plays a spell. So yeah, I, that's I feel thing. like it won't work. That's something worth trying. What was the Griffin? Did that ever cost three? It cost four. It only ever cost four. Had, it only uh, ever cost four. It was four. a four-two. How How did they they nerf that? It was a three-two that became a three-one. That's right. Oh, man, that would be sweet. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah, you bring that, that becomes a 3-3. Three, three. I will say that that um, one thing that I really liked uh, that I might have to, if I refine these further, which I'm almost certainly going to refine some Sweet Dreams idea further, because I think the card is really sweet and has some, uh, you know, pretty big dreams it can uphold, is I think Sinister Rumors is a very good card in the Sweet Dream style decks, because it's a re- extra recursion, that also benefits from not being recursion, if that's right. Because the issue with Sweet Dreams is that if there's a thing in your void, it doesn't do anything. But obviously, Sinister Rumors doesn't really have that flaw quite so strongly as Sweet Dreams. So it's a way to uh, pack extra recursion in your deck that also, uh, while minimizing the downside of you know playing you know 14 uh, you know dark returns, is the issue with that is that you're only having dark returns in hand. So you gotta kind of get to minimize the downsides. You gotta get to have more upsides. So. Uh, in that aspect, I think that was a really strong uh, inclusion for, for Patrick. I think that was a, a pretty good summation of uh, of Sweet Dreams and uh, where to take it further. So um, I guess uh, any any closing thoughts beyond that, um, either of you? I like the Jufi aspect. And the more I think about Jufi, the more I like it. I'm not I, – in Sweet oh, Dreams specifically. I, I know. I trust you. That's actually – that was – my initial explanations were with Jufi, and then I kind of realized I needed to go in a single direction because I just mm-hmm. like my first iteration of the deck was just like every card I thought was sweet <laughs> with sweet dreams <laughs> in it. I and think then, I think uh, Jufi might be a, a reasonable include in sort of my version of the deck, which is just trying to be sort of like a sweet dreams good stuff kind of strategy, right? Where I think Jufi might fit yes. in there pretty well. Yeah, I know, because I just really want Jufi to work as a card. I kind of <laughs> like it. It's and so hard. And the idea of, of like you mentioned, it's like Jufi beca- can become sort of a finisher, it, 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 like an end game in and of itself as it keeps growing and you bring it and it keeps its stats and then you bring it back again and bring it back again. And all of a sudden, you know, hopefully you run your opponent out of removal and then you just have the biggest card on the board. Um and then maybe one day you actually draw a dragon's eye, and then you're really doing it. I guess one aspect of the card we kind of downplayed or didn't really talk about too much was just the the, the quality of Throne Invoke pool. Man, mm. I, I, the, the number of times I found exactly what I wanted was was kind of high. <laughs> really? I haven't played a lot of Invoke nice. in, a, in a while, and man, I realized I was kind of missing that. Invoke, Invoke's a very fun mechanic, and I think Sweet Dreams just has fun play patterns even if it's not maybe the most powerful thing ever and i think it it could potentially be a powerful thing just because as units get better right as we get more wumps of the world you know as we get more ascending cycles of the world you know sweet dreams kind of increases in stock so i i don't know i think the card 
has really cool potential to it. And uh, I'm really happy that you were able to join me on this journey of this eternal journey <laughs> of uh, exploring this this fun new card with me. Yeah, well, thank you guys. Yeah, I appreciate you coming back and running the, running this podcast back for another card. Uh, hopefully, you guys will join me again sometime. Anytime, yeah. anytime, anytime, yeah, anywhere. I'm, cool. I'm like Stormblood. Uh, I'm so focused on draft right now, just <laughs> next week. So this was like I kind of forced a little brewing, and man, it was it was a lot of fun. Like, but it's hard to find the time right now. Next month. Yeah. No. I, right. I. I totally understand. Um, and we, uh, I guess, uh, it's not a shameless plug since <laughs> it's on the feed, but, uh, we will have our sort of, uh, introduction to the format episode out, uh, in the next couple days where we talk about sort of the, this new draft format in preparation for the, if open I, if that's I might, coming up this if I might plug FE cast for a second. Uh, we just recorded a, uh, a draft. Well, it was both, and we both uh, talked about the other new cards that hadn't been pulled yet. But there was a good like 40, 40-ish minute segment on uh, introduction to draft, going over what some of the factions are doing, where the commons are at. So if you're interested in more draft content, in addition to Eternal Journey, which you should always listen to, uh, you can check out FECast. Uh, cool. Well, I think uh, uh, we'll end our show here. So uh, once again, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, thanks to our patrons. Uh, you can check out our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash farming eternal and then uh you know help support the show support us doing uh other fun content like these uh constructed episodes and i'd just like to give a quick shout out to everyone who is a patron so thank you to uh d dubs demo steve Irwin, cotillion low-key trickster mercurio blue abinego meagles madness darth herman 2 twin hex jed the Hamrid, raven dragon s ridge 0215 Sunblaze, Worked on Sun, and Yissed Out. So, uh, yeah, have a good night, everyone. Bye.